welcome to the 31st episode of Two Tankers and a Cat. We're your host, I'm Charlie. And this is Russell. Well, Russell, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Oh, I did. But I had to work, but that's that kind of goes along with the career that I chose. But yep, still had a good Thanksgiving. And, and you've got a cold, too. Oh, I've got a cold again, yeah. Uh, you know, I can thank my girlfriend for that. She works in a public school and brings it home quite often. So. <laughs> nice. Um, we wanted to give a little shout out real quick to all the uh, public safety and military that, you know, is deployed and didn't get to, you know, go home and spend Thanksgiving with yeah, their exactly. That's... families. Uh, the other person I want to give a shout out is one of our new fans. Uh, we have a 14 year old uh, fan that's from uh, San Diego, but he's living where now? He's living in Wisconsin now. Yep. Yep. And uh, his name is Alex, and he was very cool to send us a picture with him with the M60 and everything and says he enjoys the show, and we wanted to tell our uh, good friend Alex, hey, two tankers and a cat. If yeah. we ever get near Wisconsin, we'll come oh, see you. Oh, I know. Yeah, we'll come up and see you sometime and yeah. and have a museum picked out for us to well, check out with some tanks. He said there were some old World War II uh, prisoner of war camps in uh, Barron, Wisconsin. Oh, that is right. Yeah. yeah up yeah. in that area. Yeah. yeah. I have read about that. So maybe we can dig up yeah. dig up and see if we got any uh, German tankers over there. Yeah. And he also plays World of Tanks, he says, too. So yeah, it's World of Tanks. Huh? I know. I have been getting smashed on there. If you guys watch my stream, you, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I know most of you got tuned in for the historical tanks, and we love talking about that. But digital tanks, I have been getting dis- destroyed. Oh, man. So if you get a chance to watch me or Russ stream yeah. on Facebook, it's actually kind of funny because you can just set us, <laughs> listen to us, try to not cuss because <laughs> Facebook community standards oh, will kick I us know. off. <laughs> I know. What else have we got going today? The other thing I wanted to bring up was uh, we got a guy named Tony mm-hmm. and he changed our, or actually made some really cool graphics for us that we put on our Facebook. Yes. And uh, it is amazing. It's oh, it is. It, I was very impressed with what he, what he did for us. Uh, he's got lightning in the cat. Well, not the exact, yeah. but it's pretty close. Hey, it's yeah, yeah, in the back, and it's got these tanks rolling down the road. It's all black and cool. And it, if you haven't been in, been by our Facebook, you definitely want to check out Tony's graphics. And Tony, yeah. thanks you, thank you, brother. That, yeah, that was thank very you cool. very much, man. That means a lot. So I see now that Russ picked out another historical tank that I cannot say the proper name. So. Russ, tell us how to say it. You know what? I will attempt to say it, but I think we're probably going to abbreviate it once I, after I attempt to say the the actual name. I, I'm going to call it the DW2. There we go. But what it what? It's the Dirch Brookswagen Two. The Dirch Brookswagen Two. Douche wagon. Douche wet. <laughs> I think you better just stop. There, I, I better stop. <laughs> um, okay, so we're just going to call it the. He, the DW2. Yeah, DW2. And the second point, we're going to talk about the Krupp family. Yeah. Yep. We will. And we'll like, explain the Krupp family and their uh, involvement in World War II. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Russell, let's start the show. Uh, tell us about the DW2. The DW2 tank, or the Dirch Brookswagen II, was a prototype German battle tank developed by the firm Hinchel & Son at the request of the Reich government during the Second World War. So you got to tell us more about that. 
It was considered a heavy tank because of its mass. It was designed to fit into the category of breakthrough tanks at a time when Hitler was seeking to equip his troops with a heavy tank weighing between about 30 and 35 tons and a main armament powerful enough to destroy French tanks like the Char 2C, 3C, and D and to be able to pierce a minimum 30 millimeters or 1.18 inches of armor. Uh, Okay, on September 1st of 1939, the German army launched an invasion of Poland that triggered the start of World War II. I've studied that. So... Is that when they started planning for this heavy tank? The first mention of a 30-ton class panzer could be found in the report written by General Kurt Leas, uh, which was the head of the German Army Weapons Agency, on October 30th of 1935, of the need to develop a new tank weight category in 30-ton range. All right. Now, wait a minute. (laughs) I want to make sure I got this. So, they send this report saying back in 35. Like, hey, we're going to need a tank that's going to be able to kill the French heavy tanks. Yeah. And we're going to need a breakthrough tank. So before they, I mean, they knew something big was coming down the pipe. Because, you know what, in 39, like we were talking, that's when the invasion started. Yeah, it was. Poland. Uh Uh-huh. Wow. So four years before the invasion, they they had a hint what the... Germans were going to do. Yeah, they did. Okay, give us some more information about this. After more than a year, Barat Niekamp, a car expert from German Armin Weapons Agency, turned to Hinchel to develop a new tank under the code name Beglickwagen BW. Now that translates into car in a procession or an escort car or reinforced escort car. Uh, I was researching, you know, how to say this stuff. Yeah. But I was using Google Translate and that's oh, not the best. Wow. <laughs> but it, apparently in German, it, it's a reinforced escort car. Reinforced escort car. And then on March 12th, 1937, it was actually renamed the IW, which stands for the infantry wagon, which was changed on April 28th of 1937 to the DW or the Dirk Brookswagen, which means breakthrough car. In English. You got to teach me how to say that after oh, the show. Oh, wow. I, believe me, I have never taken any German language in school at all, so it's still... Nice. <laughs> so they kicked around the name. Uh, then what happened? Well, developments in Soviet equipment, including the emergence of the KV-1, quickly rendered obsolete the design of the DW-2. Hinchel abandoned the DW-2 to develop a new prototype, which was known as the VK-30. Oh, one. Now, that was the H model, right? The H model, yes. Only two of the DW-2s were built because of the abandonment of the program. Despite the interruption of the DW program, the DW-2 was extensively tested until 1941, and that gave Hinchel a solid experience for their later projects. Interesting stuff. So, they were, you know, going to make this heavy tank, and then the Soviets came out with the KV tank, and they're like... Uh, this isn't going to work. And the Germans were trying to play catch up to the go Soviets. up against that. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, you know, I, I always love the stats. Give me the stats on this thing. Yeah. The stats on the DW2. It was built between 1937 and 1941, and it was manufactured by Hinchel and Son. Two units were produced. The tank had a crew of five, which included a commander, the loader, a gunner, a driver, and a radio operator. The length of the tank was about 5 meters or 18 feet. 
It was three meters wide or about 10 feet wide and it stood about two meters high or nine feet high. It weighed about 32 tons. The whole armor was about 50 millimeters or two inches thick on all sides and the turret had a mantle of 70 millimeters thick armor or 2.75 inches and the sides of the turret had 50 millimeter thick armor on it. The main armament it had a 7.5 centimeter KWK 37 L-24, which was a 7.5 centimeter Kampfwagen Kanon 37 L-24. It had secondary armament um, of two machine guns, which was the machine gun 34 of 7.92 millimeters. And one of those was a co- coaxial. Coaxial, yeah. So basically they had the driver and then... The guy next to him that was also a machine gunner. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It had a engine, a Maybach HL120 engine in it, and it had about power to weight ratio of 20 horsepower per ton. That's pretty interesting. It is. What yeah. kind of suspension did it have? It had a longitudinal torsion bar suspension, uh, which was an interesting feature. The drive wheel, which was not round with gears, but it had the shape of a nine angle into which the guide teeth of the belts, similar to the principle of the Soviet tank uh, T-34. Basically, they looked at the T-34, which was basically Christie's suspension. Yeah, yeah And they're like, hey, this nine angle, this is the thing to do. So that, that's another thing that they put on there. Yeah. They knew they were going to have problems with the Soviets way back in the day. Oh, sure they did. So they, they, were, did. they were taking their stuff. What kind of speed was this thing getting? Well, it had a road speed of about 35 kilometers an hour, which comes out to about 22 miles per hour. Not real fast, but with a heavy tank, it's not going to be. So basically, that report that came back out, you were talking about 35. Yeah. They had this thing built by 37. So within two years, they got it built. That That's incredible. It is. It yeah. really is. But again, that was before yeah. the Polish invasion. Since the KV came out and they found out about that, they're going to go like, no, we're going to need a bigger tank, a bigger, a bigger gun, gun, and everything like that. So they had to go back to the drawing board, and by that time, they were in they were in the fight. Yeah. Now, I know the turret was made by somebody else. Tell us, tell us about the turret. Yeah, the turret of the DW-2, it was designed by Krupp under the number AF-30304, and it was ready as of February 22nd of 1937. The turret was equipped with a manual traverse. Ooh. Wow. Man, doing That's, that by hand. Uh-uh. The DW1 turret had the 7.5 centimeter KWK 37 L/24, but the DW2 turret had the 5 centimeter KWK 39 L/60. So that was the better gun. The better gun out of the two. And uh, they were planning to put the 5 centimeter on the Panzer 3s. So they're like, "Hey, we need this gun instead of kind of like the short derpy 7.5." Yeah. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. So I know both DW2s were basically dissolved into the VK30 program and all that was left at the end of the war uh or all that was left of the that tank was the frame and some track. So they never really used it. It just really just got dissolved. Into the VK program. They took the turret and put it on the VK. Uh, Okay. Well, tell us about Krupp. Yeah. The Krupp family, which was a prominent 400-year-old German dynasty from Essen, is famous for their production of steel, artillery, ammunition, and other armaments. 
the family business known as the Friedrich Krupp AG was the largest company in Europe at the beginning of the 20th century. And it was important to weapons development and production in both world wars. Oh, okay. I'm starting to see where, where we're going with this. Yeah, go ahead and yeah. go. One of the most powerful dynasties in European history, Krupp flourished for 400 years as the premier weapons manufacturer of Germany. And you know what? They make some quality oh, stuff. they do. They do. They had some pretty good stuff back then. From the 30 years war until the end of the Second World War, it produced battleships, U-boats, tanks, howitzers, guns, utilities, and hundreds of other commodities. Well, you're talking about 400 years of history. 400 years, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they had a lot of experience to put towards all that. Yeah. yeah. During the war, Krupp was allowed to take over many industries in occupied nations, including the Alsatian Corporation for Mechanical Construction, Robert Rothschild's Tractor Factory in France, the Skoda Works in Czechoslovakia, and the Deutsche Schiff in Bremen. This activity became the basis for the charge of plunder at the war crimes trial of Krupp executives after the war. Oh, you got to tell us more about this war crimes. As another war crime, Krupp used slave labor, both POWs and civilians from occupied countries. Treatment of Slavic and Jewish slaves was particularly harsh. Oh, that's man. incredible, man. That, that's that, just it's so sad. It is. In 1942 to 1943, Krupp built the Bertha Work factory, and that was named for his mother. And this was near the Markstadt forced labor camp. And that particular factory was for the production of artillery fuses. Jewish women were used as slave labor there. And it was leased from the SS for four marks a head per day. That's just sad. It really is. It's just a shame. It is. Just a shame. In 1942, although Russia in retreat relocated many factories to the Urals, steel factories were simply too large to move. Krupp took over production, including at the Molotov Steel Works near Kharkov and Kramatorsk in eastern Ukraine, and at mines supplying the iron, manganese, and chrome vital for the steel production. I bet they didn't treat those employees too uh, nice either. No, no, I bet they didn't either. The Battle of Stalingrad in 1942 convinced Krupp that Germany would lose the war, and he secretly began liquidating 200 million marks in government bonds. This actually allowed him to retain much of his fortune and hide it overseas. Wow. So here here they are. They're taking over these factories. Everything's, and I don't want to seem cruel, but it seemed good for them, you know, or good for Germany sure. the, or the Reich. So they get the French factories, the Czechoslovakian factories. They invade Russia. He takes over that. Everything's, you know, business-wise, great for them. But they try to invade Stalingrad. And he's like, wait a minute. I think we bit the wrong bear. And he's like, uh. So he grabs 200 million and starts putting it overseas and to hide it. The man apparently had foresight. Sure he did. And in so many businesses, you need to have that. Yeah. That's so sad. Corporations never learn about that. It's always about the dollar. That's that's Very a, true. That's Very a shame. True. It is to use the the forced labor and stuff like this. Um, if you guys want to know more about that, get up, crack a book, exactly. do some research. There's so many good books out there uh, on right. the history of all this. You know, here's these poor Jewish women that are forced to make artillery fuses. And, and there has to be some just heart wrenching stories sure. that come out of there. So, as always, 
we tell people. We know we are not the exact science of historical tanks. But when we started, if you go back to our very first episode, we tell people, get up. Do yes. your own yeah. research. Get involved. Do it. We've had people call us out, and we're going to yeah. talk about that in the future, too. Yes. And, and like our tiger episode, we had that tiger guy come up and say, <laughs> did, did you guys get this out of a comic book? <laughs> you know, here's the research. And I'm like, great. Yeah. You know, somebody yeah. exactly was, was yeah. excited. Well, we had a bunch of people. Yes, we have. You know, come up and say. Over the year we've been doing this, we've had a lot of people call us out. And that's what we want, man. That That's exactly what we want. I yep. mean, yeah. Because you know, you I'll know, guarantee you, there's more people out there that know more, about specific tanks more than we do. I well, will. the people I, I that have came to us, like Ed Webster, uh, he does the uh, tank research for World of Tanks and a couple other uh, games. And he, he's probably one of those knowledgeable people and, and he's really cool too. Yeah. And then you have uh, professionals uh, like Craig Moore, to uh, so many others that con- reached out and contact us to try to help. You know, and we were talking about these corporations that, you know, like he had the foresight to see 200 million overseas to hide. Sure. And when we started this, at no point that we thought we'd have like 10,000 followers yeah, and, yeah. and that we, we are go. closing in quick on almost 10,000 yeah. downloads and, on Podbean. I had no idea. And, and we're, we're starting our second year. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have the foresight. We didn't even to worry about dollars. Charlie, where'd the idea from this podcast for this podcast actually come from? You know what? After a year, I honestly don't know. I think we were just talking about it one day. We were listening to podcasts on one of our vacations across central South Dakota. Yeah. And I said, Charlie, why don't we try our own podcast on tanks? You know what? That is right. Yeah. You know, and if you guys have never been to South Dakota. Oh, I know. It's beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's beautiful. I think we just got done visiting, uh, what was it, Pierre, South Dakota, their National Guard Museum. Yep. They had a few tank displays there. Yep. So talking about dollars, uh, you know, I hate to say it, we're going to have to do our Patreon shout outs and stuff like that. And there's just the people that are actually financially supporting us. And, and that's so amazing. And uh, I know you've got a really good friend now. Uh, who's that? Oh, Andy Crow. Yeah, Andy. Yeah. Oh, Andy, he's awesome. Andy's the man. And he who's is. the other guy? Uh, Born Ben. He's still supporting us. Oh, and Christy McCarty. Yes. And you know what? Big shout out to her. Thank yeah. you, Christy. Yeah, and you know how else she's supporting us? I, I Taking care of your sorry butt, probably. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> We've actually started dating and everything's going good. We'll keep you up to date on that. I, I, I guess you'd call that her, my sugar mama. Or oh, something. is that what that is? Is that how that goes? <laughs> well, she's paying for the show. Um, and we got Kevin Shin. Yes, we do. Kyle Montgomery. Yep. And then who else? We still got Mark Drake supporting us from the beginning. ODS Thero. Thank you, ODS. And your good buddy. Rick Schmidt. That puts up with your uh, streaming. streams. The only, like we told you before, in our streams, every time I get hit by artillery, you have to take a shot. And I promise you, within an hour, you're going to be schnockered. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was a great episode. The DW2, I didn't even know about it. I know. Uh, I know it's in World of Tanks. I, yeah, I have played it in World of Tanks so a few if, times. Yeah. If you guys are bored and you're looking for a little side hobby with, you know, because it's cold outside. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, load up one of these World of Tanks. or And what's coming up on World of Tanks? They're Christmas specials. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's always kind of fun yeah. to get involved in with their Christmas specials, and that's coming up pretty quick. All right. Well, that's the closing for the show. And uh, signing off, I'm Charlie. And this is Russell. As always, happy tanking, and have a great week. Mm-hmm.